Welcome to Talking Supply Chain. In each episode, you'll hear from the authors that make Supply Chain Management Review such a special publication. This podcast is hosted by Bob Troublecock, Editorial Director of Supply Chain Management Review. Remember that Bob welcomes your comments now to today's episode. Welcome to today's episode of Talking Supply Chain, Talking ESG with Hannah Kane. I'm Bob Troublecock, and joining me today is Hannah Kane. Hanna is president and CEO of Alum, a global supply chain management company headquartered in Silicon Valley. And she's been a contributor to SCMR over the years. We've met at uh, different conferences where she was speaking. I think you're really going to enjoy this. So, Hanna, welcome. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here and uh, having this discussion today. Well, I am as well. Uh, you know, I can't tell you how many conversations I'm having with senior supply chain leaders that begin with something like, well, let me tell you what we're doing in sustainability, or let me tell you about diversity and inclusion. And, it's, and in fact, just the last week, um, I did an interview that I posted on SCMR with the um, supply, uh, sustainability leader for Walmart, and then for the sustainability leader for uh, Fresh Del Monte Foods. And after doing those, Granger reached out to me and somebody else reached out to me. So I know it's on the minds of many supply chain executives today. And what's what I find interesting is sustainability and diversity. It's been part of corporate culture for some time. It's not new, but it really seems to be front and center in supply chain today. I know it's part of what you're addressing at Alum. And that makes sense to me since you operate global supply chains for your customers. If it's top of mind for them, well, it's going to have to be top of mind for you. And that's what we're going to talk about. But you'll bear me out just for a second. I want to start with a quick, and I promise we'll make a quick look back. The last time I had you on the podcast, we were coming out of COVID. You predicted it would be at least 2023 before we were out of the woods. It's almost 2023. We're just coming out of the woods. So you were right on that one. As you look at the environment for global supply chains, what's your current assessment? Where are we? Well, you know, if, if we are coming out of a period where we are seeing extreme swings, but then again, we were kind of more or less on a trend, right? This is not a, uh, a, a, an anomaly that we have a lot of things going on. And so when we're saying out of the woods, what we were thinking about when you and I spoke was uh, the port crisis, all those type of things where we were just in an extreme situation. But we are still uh, have a lot going on. So we have all the geopolitics. We have got Brexit. I mean, Brexit still huge impact. And then, I mean, as we are speaking today, we have China. Right. And, and I mean, if you're in supply chain and you're not worried about China, you're doing something wrong. Right. Because China right now is 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 a major area of concern. We have uh, huge shutdowns. Uh, the case right now is 25 percent of the population and 25 percent of the factories. Uh, shut down, right? So because of COVID and the COVID, uh, the zero uh, tolerance policy, and that uh, impacts, of course, the output. Uh, it increases the lead time uncertainty. And it's not just the factories, it's also the ports, right? So, I mean, we've got right now, as we're speaking, we've got Ningbo uh, partially shut down and, you know, Shanghai uh, port backed up, etc. So, so huge things still going on. 
Then, of course, there's the financial currency fluctuations, but more, more importantly, inflation, right? Really impacting supply chain professionals. And, of course, the ongoing talent shortage. And I'm saying talent shortage because we still have a worker shortage, but it's more than just... The worker shortage is loosening a little bit, but we still have the talent shortage. And, hey, this is going to continue over the next five to ten years. So still a lot of issues out there. But when I look at the trend, this is like a trend that, that started in, in the beginning of the century, and it's just going on. And then we had this big extra uh, complication during COVID. So the trend of a lot of geopolitics, a lot of issues coming up all the time, uh, whether weather related, whether geopolitic related, whether financial related, it's just continuing. So, uh, so there's no rest for the weary here. <laughs> Great. Well, that was that was a good encapsulation and and catching up. So thank you for that. So now let's talk about ESG. Um, you know, it means something different to everybody, which makes sense. Um, what does it mean to you, or put another way, given all of the things that fall under ESG, what's your focus and why are you focusing on whatever it is you're focusing on? So, um, so I want to go back and, uh, 25 years ago. So Elon was founded 25 years ago. We celebrated our anniversary this year and it brought back a lot of uh, memories about when the company was started and, and, and what what our thoughts were back then. And one of my visions was to start and manage a supply chain company that did right by everybody in the supply chain. And that's really what ESG is about, is doing doing right by everybody in the supply chain. That's a big S, right? But, and of course, the E is about the entire environment, right? So, so, so when I say doing right by everybody in the supply chain, it does include the planet. And so, and G is about, okay, you trust, but you verify. You, you, you cannot just say, okay, we, 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 are, we are talking nicely, but we're not doing anything measurable. We're not verifying, you know, those type of things. So for me, the entire ESG discussion is, doing right by everybody and making sure that you are actually executing on it. Uh, so for, for me, this is a very fundamental part of uh, how to run a business. Uh, it's, it's one of our core values. When you look, I think uh, I told you before, Bob, we do a, a one-page business plan every year where uh, we are outlining our core values, our goals for the year, our goals for the quarter, etc. And and all employees get that. Um, so when you start at Elon, this is the first document you are really getting after you've signed uh, your your employment contract. And so um, so the the entire ESG thinking is an integral part of that. So you know I think companies that are successful with their ESG, ESG initiatives have made it part of the basic culture of the company. And, and so this is what we've been doing for 25 years. So uh, I'm just tickled that, uh, that uh, we are not, no longer alone with uh, doing these type of things. So I, you know, I understand uh, Alum is making uh, a number of investments in ESG. And so I want to talk about 
the what, meaning the what are you doing, and the why, meaning the why are you doing it. I'm going to start with the why. Um, so, you know, you talked a little bit about the why there a second, but, you know, is it is it the potential of regulation? I've had companies say to me, you know, the the real impetus these days is that they see regulation coming at Given that you manage supply chains, is it your customers are demanding it? Or, and since you're global, you know, is it the geographic demands? Just what's the, um, what are the other whys when you get external to uh, your organization? Well, you know, again, the, the why has got to be uh, the desire to do right, right? But, but certainly there are external pressures as well. Uh, and we're seeing more and more corporations starting to bring up uh, uh, that uh, what what is your ESG uh, uh, commitment uh, and also starting to ask more pointed questions, right? So, I mean, you know, it's not like it's a puma all of a sudden it's happening, right? So we have had the conflict minerals that started, uh, oh, what, uh, five, ten years ago. Uh, we've had other initiatives that are starting on and off. So certainly uh, corporations are starting to be concerned about it. Also, I think as part of their desire to do right and their concern about being uh, exposed at not at not as not doing right. And so there's some, some risk management for them and reputation management for, for corporations, certainly as part of this. And then, of course, we are all following what's happening, uh, seen from a regulatory standpoint. And, and so when I look at what are the questions that uh, our biggest customers are asking us right now, they are what I would call a little bit wishy-washy. It's kind of tell us what you're doing in this entire area. It's not like here are five things we need you to measure and report on. We're seeing that in some areas, for instance, supplier diversity. So Elom is a, a diverse supplier. And we, of course, have a very high supplier diversity spend because we are part of that entire community. Uh, so that's a metric that we've been measuring and reporting on for many years uh, and achieving great results in, obviously. But um, uh, if, when I look at the sustainability, it's less clear that the corporations have one standard. And so I, my take on it uh, is corporations are waiting to to see what comes out of the legislation. And uh, certainly uh, there's already some, some stuff out and, and, and we, are, we are mostly right now waiting for the SEC. Uh, you know, two, two questions that come out of what you just talked about. Um, one is the, the what customers are asking. And I just wondered, you know, having just, for instance, um, interviewed Walmart and Walmart was, I was talking to them about a, a purchase power uh, agreement that they've just put out there with um, Schneider Electric to enable some of their suppliers to, in the aggregate, be able to buy uh, renewable energy. And uh, Walmart said that, you know, they were, they were asking um, suppliers to participate in, in their sustainability program. And they said something like 4,500 suppliers signed on. I might mangle these numbers, but but the kind of ratios are kind of similar. Um, something like 2,500 were asking for 
you know, resources and information about how to, you know, get more sustainable and energy. And I think it was like 250 that were contributing their energy usage numbers, meaning, you know, the, the number of people who are actually providing statistics, um, measurable statistics about what they were doing to Walmart at this point was, you know, like 5% of their suppliers. Again, yeah. my, again, my numbers might be off, but my percentages probably aren't. Um, and so, and by the way, I mean, I've, I've, I've written about Walmart and their sustainability and ESG things for 17 years. They do a lot. And yet, so this is a company that's pretty mature in what they're doing. And yet it's still like 5% of their suppliers. And we all know the suppliers, you know, are a big part of your carbon footprint. The other, you might've just hit on with around legislation, which is I've been asking companies. So, you know, we, we've, we're now getting this legislation and some, you know, you're in California, for instance, where where the legislation is pretty heavy handed in terms of doing stuff. There are other states that like now want to penalize you for using renewable energy. How are you know, how are you guys figuring all of that out? Well, I think the key thing to uh, to look at right now, if you if you go by what what our customers, what the corporations want, it's it's all over the place. Right. And so. Uh, what we did, again, stepping back is we said, okay, we want to do what's right. And part of that is measuring. So you need to have a baseline and look at what, what, how you measure. So that's why we have the different certifications. So ISO 14001, et cetera, is to set this baseline. And then you look at where to, can you have a big impact. And there are several places we have identified as where we can have a big impact. So for instance, uh, how we run our facilities and our emissions from facilities. So that's a 14.064, right? So that's that's one area to look at. But then there's also the impact on how we are supporting our customers as we are planning and executing on their supply chain. How can we incorporate uh, near sourcing in that? And so that's a, a really important part of it. We, we also avail ourselves of you know, external sources, whether it's uh, companies that help us measure. It's, uh, the, we are part of the US EPA Green Power Partnership uh, for the green energy, uh, clean energy that we are using in our facilities. But for me, it's... It, <laughs> Uh, the approach is really important that, you know, we, we so clearly we have a lot of management support, right? You know, starting with me, but also my entire exactly. family. Right? But it also needs to be an employee driven. So what, what, what I really love is all the ideas we're getting up from employees that, that allow us to drive these initiatives. So if you look at what, of initiatives uh, coming up from employees over the last two years, we've uh, implemented 57 employee suggestions uh, and and really made a significant impact to the environment based on those suggestions. So can you give some can you give some examples? Well, you know, uh, we we switched away from uh, water from from plastic water bottles 
uh, and uh, saved uh, all the single-use water bottles. And uh, again, it was an employee suggestion. We've had no pushback on that whatsoever. It's been uh, absolutely uh, accepted throughout all our facilities. And uh, we installed some of those water fountains that count on the count uh, how uh, how many bottles you save by using that fountain, and so and refilling your own cup. So uh, so you know, and we are right now. This past week, we did a, a um, uh, initiative to uh, do recycling of uh, whatever batteries and electronics people had at home, and they could bring it in, and we do a safe recycling or recovery. Uh, of uh, key parts as part of that. So, uh, so you know, it's uh, it's uh, for me, it's very important to have the employee engagement as well. So we come at it from both both directions. So, um, yeah. I'm sorry. Go. I, I interrupt. Go ahead. <laughs> no, it's okay. I I guess uh, I you know one can tell we are both passionate about this. So one thing with the with the legislation, right? That we we are we are waiting on the SEC legislation that has been sort of pre-announced, socialized, but we don't know what's really coming out of this, and that's. I think that's a difficulty we are in right now that all the corporations have different things that are important for them and that they measure. A large focused on energy consumption and emissions, but you know the measurements are not necessarily standardized and, and, and what they're interested in. So I think the SEC initiative is going to uh, drive some of that. The other thing that's happening is, of course, since we are doing business out of 19 locations globally, we are following legislation in, in all these different locations. And in Germany, there's a not very discussed legislation that actually comes into effect January 1st. So just a month away from when you and I are talking here, um, it is the German Supply Chain Diligence Act. And uh, that has some uh, uh, ESD implications that uh, everybody needs to adhere to. Uh, right now, January 1st, it's if you have more than 3,000 employees in Germany. But a lot of the corporations do have uh, more than 3,000 employees. And, you know, a year later, it goes down to 1,000 employees. So, uh, so certainly there will be some drive from that also in reporting and governance. And a lot of that will be also on the social side, you know, human trafficking, if trafficking, uh, employee relations, those type of things. Do you find, you know, since you just mentioned Germany, and I'm not going to pick on Germany, but rather Europe, um, you know, one of the things that that you often hear, I used to, uh, I used to write for uh, Diversity Inc. magazine. It, it's how I, how I met Lynthia, who used to represent WeBank, the women. Um, uh, you know, the women-owned uh, business um, network. And uh, there used to be a saying there that, you know, the U.S. was ahead on the diversity inclusion aspect and those kind of things that come out of ESG and behind on uh, sustainability. And Europe was ahead on things around sustainability and energy consumption, but behind on the diversity and inclusion. Is somebody who does business in all those geographies, you know, do you find that kind of geographic difference? 
Yeah, I think uh, that uh, that uh, diversity discussion was not very solid in Europe uh, a couple of decades ago because uh, Europe was characterized by being extremely homogeneous, and um, and I think uh, that has changed, uh, and uh, and certainly. There's more structure still around um, the supplier diversity and the entire diversity discussion in the U.S. just because of the extended history. But what's happening in Europe, which is very interesting, is the drive to get more female and diverse board members. And I think that's going to drive a lot of change in the organizations, right? So, you know, it's kind of forcing forcing the change from the top. So uh, my prediction is uh, if the U.S. has uh, an advantage on the, the sort of the social area, that's not going to last a long time, you know. That, and and I think uh, Europe is, is, is uh, and, and some areas in Europe are very... Uh, forward on the on the um, on the environment on the environmental side uh, you mentioned goals uh, a moment ago and I know for instance when I spoke with uh, both uh, fresh Del Monte and Walmart recently they both talked about you know specific goals having to do with you know either uh, zero to the landfill or percentage of renewable energy or you know things like that by certain by date certain 2030 or 2040. Um, what kind of goals have you set for your organization so that you can measure them and you know assess and show your progress? Well, uh, I think our biggest goal is is around uh, emissions, right? So we have uh, we have said we're going to be uh, be um, uh, net zero by 2030, uh, and you know I would love to set landfill goals part of. Our problem is we are dependent on our customer supply chain. So what we are doing, and uh, this is an initiative we have done very aggressively over the last couple of years, is working with our customers to help them uh, see what is happening in their supply chain. And so we are cutting back back on their supply chain uh, sustainability uh, impact um, by uh, helping them, for instance, uh, manage their inventory more prudently, right? It's one of the travesties that happening happened during the the spike in in inventory in lead times. Is people overbought inventory, and that's what we're seeing right now. Everybody's sitting on excess inventory. It's filling up the warehouses and warehouse rents are going through the roof still, right, because because people have too much inventory. And that is a big uh, sustainability issue also because uh, uh, come next quarter, everybody's going to decide that they need to write it off and scrap it. And so we're going to have a huge issue from that. So managing that entire cycle is going to be a, a really big, big thing. And once we get a little bit closer with our customers on that, we would love to do a net uh, net landfill uh, policy. 
Uh, right now, we are also for certain of our customers adhering to specific goals that they are setting for their supply chain. So, uh, so we have a number of different uh, activities going on. But the biggest one is our net zero by 2030. And you can read more about our goals and, and what we're doing in our sustainability, uh, in our ESG report, which is on our website. Great. Um, you know, the other big thing that I, I think, you know, you're a supplier, but you're also a, a buyer of other people's, you know, products and services. And it, it's not necessarily your tier one suppliers, but, you know, you move down to the twos and threes and fours and fives where a lot is going on that you might not see that's impacting uh, your carbon footprint. So, you know, how do you get transparency across your supply chain? Oh, that's a big one, right? I think the, the first one is to work with tier one and tier two suppliers, and very few of us have visibility beyond that. Uh, so uh, work with suppliers that have values alignment. Um, so uh, you cannot do it with all your suppliers, and obviously uh, you get to a size of Walmart, it becomes very, very challenging. But work with, with companies that are really aligned around doing right by the planet, doing right by the people, doing right by the surrounding community. And so, uh, so the, that values alignment uh, is, in my opinion, number one, right? And, and there are certainly a number of companies that have developed that as a strategy. But then, of course, uh, you want to still trust by, but verify. And so uh, we obviously do audits, etc. cetera. Uh, it's one of the things that I think you and I spoke about in the past. I was very concerned about during COVID and still am for China, right, that, that uh, you know, people are not visiting their suppliers. And, uh, and so that entire governance around how our suppliers are actually doing, not just uh, when it comes to sustainability and human rights, which are important enough, but also in specifications. And uh, is the product actually whatever comes out in, in your hand cream, is that actually up to the specifications that the hand cream uh, 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 company in the U.S. was thinking it would be? Right. So, um, so, you know, the, the audit is really important. But I think what happened with the conflict minerals, painful as that was, it started that entire thinking about we need to go further back in the supply chain. And so uh, I think that's going to happen eventually. Right now, that's not happening uh, beyond one and two. And I think uh, it becomes very much of a technology question about creating that, that traceability in the supply chain. And as you know, Bob, I'm, I'm, I'm a believer in that uh, one of the real great things happening during the pandemic was we got more investment in technology, supply chain technology. Uh, and I do think down the road, we are going to get better technology tools. But right now, that traceability throughout the supply chain, you know, beyond tier one and two, it's n just not there. And uh, I think it's uh, doing it manually is just not a, a sustainable solution. So we, we, we need to get that technology going. 
Uh, last question. So one of the things you said earlier when, when I sort of interrupted you, you said, you can tell I'm passionate about this. And, um, and, and that does come through. Um, you know, you've set some measurable goals. You're working on those goals. So are you optimistic, not passionate, but optimistic uh, about your organization's ability to achieve those goals? And if so, why? You know, what's going to get you there? <laughs> well, I think optimistic is the wrong word. I'm sorry. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate and I'm optimistic, but that is, you know, in the end, it's about commitment, right? And, 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 and you know, I think companies need to be very committed to do it, to making a difference. We have looked at some areas where we are making some, where we can really make a difference. And, and, and so once you set that commitment, You've got to do it and you've got to have a plan to do it. And I think that's that's a key thing. So, yeah, we have a plan to do it. We have got the employee engagement. We've got the management commitment. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, it's going to happen. So no doubt about it. So so we I'm, I'm not just optimistic. I'm uh, I'm committed to doing it. Then then I, I think you'll get it done. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Great. Um, that's all the, the time we have today. I want to thank Hannah Kane for joining me today. I hope you'll be back for our next episode. Hey, and before we go, uh, tell uh, listeners again where they can find your sustainability report if they want to learn a little bit more about what you're doing and how you're doing it. It might be helpful to them. Oh, absolutely. So uh, it's on our website. So uh, you can go in and search for ELOM, uh, A-L-O-M, or you can go in the, to our website, uh, www.alom.com. Perfect. Great. Uh, so until the next episode for Supply Chain Management Review and Talking Supply Chain, I'm Bob Troublecock, and thank you again for joining us. Talking Supply Chain is produced by Supply Chain Management Review and Peerless Media. You can find it on scmr.com, on iTunes, or under SC247, or just Google SC247 Podcasts. For more information, be sure to visit scmr.com. We hope you'll join us again.